Welcome to the Toka Backstage Podcast. Join Toka's Executive Director, Chris Wolf in conversations with the artists and people behind the scenes of the Torrance Cultural Arts Foundation's performances and events. Hi, this is Chris Wolf, the Executive Director of the Torrance Cultural Arts Foundation, uh, with another episode of Toka Backstage. It is my extreme honor to be speaking with Grammy-nominated recording artist, uh, Perla Batala, who will be performing in uh, actually oh, reopening our Studio Cabaret series on October 21st and 22nd in the Nakano Theater. Perla, thank you so much for taking the time. I do appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks. So excited so, to be coming back. Yay. I know we are too. Uh, it's It seems like forever since we've seen you. Um, you've been so kind to us, uh, not only in, in your performances, but also as a judge in South Bay's Got Talent, which I, 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 I think your participation in that was just um, so generous of you, but also really helpful to the kids who-, who... Oh my God. Uh, you know, what I learned was that the South Bay really has talent, you know, and that does my heart good to see the young people uh, trying things and not being afraid and, um, and growing. Cause you know, I came back a couple years in a row and, um, uh, we saw some of the same people again, and it's so exciting to see people like take a chance and and do live theater, which is yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it it that and actually that's something I usually close with, but um, and we'll get to that. But I want to start off with you. Is it true? I mean, you you have a, an illustrious career. You're a backup singer with um, Leonard Cohen. You've, you're Grammy nominated. You've toured internationally. Um, but is it true that you started out in law school? Well, you know, I did love uh, law and the study of it, and I did really well in school, and I thought I would become a lawyer. And at the time, I was engaged to uh, a lawyer that did a lot of Hollywood kind of uh, business. And um, music kept pulling me back. You know, it would just be... I'd get another gig and then I stopped performing for the year that I started uh, working in uh, law school and um, it just got to the point where I, I didn't resist anymore. It was time to get out there and uh, continue my career and I'm so glad I did. Do you, do you think that, I mean, I know young performers are often faced with that that dilemma of do I go down this path or that path? And I can't, I can't imagine that that's an easy decision to make. It's not an easy decision to make. And you know, your parents are always saying, have something to fall back on. Don't do this. Um, my parents were saying the same things, but the truth is my father was a singer. Uh, and I just met this wonderful woman who was a professor at Harvard. And I said, so I'm thinking of pursuing a career in law. And she looked at me and said, don't do it. Not right now. Pursue your passion for music because you're young. This is the time to do that. Law school will be there later. If you want to do it later, do it. But right now, take that passion and put it in your art and your music. That was like the best advice I ever got. And, and do you offer that advice to young performers as well? I mean, <laughs> mostly I would say uh, to young performers, 
this is a really hard business. <laughs> do not do it unless you so believe in what you're doing that you're willing to, you know, withstand the hard times. Um, and that, you know, you have a pull to do it because that's what will determine everything. If you have that pull to do it, that desire, that passion, let's face it, nothing can stop you. You know, it's interesting because I, I, I actually just did a, one of these interviews with uh, some people from another show that we're doing called My Dog is Better Than Your Dog. Um, <laughs> Stephen um, Tobolowski, who is a, an actor, it's done a lot of great things. Mm -hmm. um, and I asked him, what, what, what advice do you give to young people? And he said he was doing a, a class, teaching a class at a, or went to, was invited to talk at a high school. And he asked the people, who is willing to do what you're doing without any compensation with performing in front of maybe two people who are your best friends and no accolades, and and he said two people raises their hands and he goes, "You guys will make it, right?" Every, because absolutely, yeah. And, and honestly, if you, um, you know, you need it's tougher these days because of of social media. It's way tougher because as a young performer developing, you need the room to be bad. And you need the, the space to fail. And that's what what uh, what gives you the opportunity to find like where you are great and where you do excel and where you are more like special than anybody else. Because we are all human beings. We are all the same in so many ways, but we are all very different. And we are also very, very, everyone has a special little magic inside of them and if you can have that chance to be out there and be doing that i say do it but man if uh you were just to ask me generally would you encourage people to do this no <laughs> why would we encourage people to do this you and i know how hard it is yeah. you know how hard it is to get people to leave the comfort of their home and go to a theater and uh and it is really hard to do, but when you do it and it changes your life, you say it was worth getting off my couch for this. Well, and I have to say, you know, there's a, there 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 are two performers that I can name who sing some songs in Spanish. Now, I can't speak a lick of Spanish. I mean, I know, you know. Mm -hmm. a couple of words but when i hear them sing it's like it, their their voices just transcend and I, I i just feel it and that's you and la marisol oh i love her isn't she great oh, when she sings i have i have no clue what she's saying right but i just i i just yeah, Believe and it. you know, I can't explain what that is, uh, other than um, for me, uh, my first language was Spanish, and I think, you know, Marisol's first language was Spanish, too. Um, and Leonard, who didn't speak Spanish, Leonard Cohen, said that Spanish was his most favorite language, and it could have something to do with the language. I've heard from linguists that Spanish 
has uh, way more words for every one, you know, everything. The vocabulary is way bigger than other languages. And for us, of course, it's our first language. So it d digs deep into our soul. Um, and I know that, yeah, when I sing in Spanish, I'm, I, I am elevated to another uh, reality. Um, and it has to do with not only me, but my family, my ancestors, where you know they came from, and um, and there's a lot of passion there. And and oftentimes I'll just go, whoa, where did that come from? But you know, <laughs> it's just there. But I, I think that speaks to not only the language, but but both of your your performing performances and and your I use this word a lot, but your authenticity of 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 the song and, and like you said, the passion for what you're singing. Yeah. And, and again, not knowing, you know, every now and again, I'll go, oh, I know that word. Right. But <laughs> other than that, it's like, I just yeah. I just sit there and listen and go, this is beautiful. I don't know what it is, but it's beautiful. And I, there are other, other languages that do that to me too. But there is also something about, uh, you know, singing in Spanish and it is about authenticity. There's uh, the culture, it's also cultural. Um, uh, especially because my, my father is, was Mexican and my mother, a Hungarian Jew. So my dad's Afro-Mexican, my mother's a Hungarian Jew. And so I get passion from all sides, but, um, the, uh, culture of, especially Mexican people, it's so open hearted and it's so kind and that is sincere. I mean, that is the truth. Um, and I and I'm faced with it all the time because having been raised in California and traveling the world and be and being in other cultures where the Spanish language is key, uh, there's nothing like um, Mexican culture. And I think it's the people, it's the warmth. You know, the further south you get, oh my gosh, there's a great musician. He was a composer, and I forget his name right now. Who explained uh, musically? Uh, where the warmth comes from. And he said, the further south you go, the warmer it's going to be, not only because of the climate, but but because, and the people are express that. And I feel that with Mexican culture. I think there's a lot of warmth and a lot of heart and a lot of just openness, which um, I feel constantly when I'm speaking Spanish, singing Spanish, surrounded by Spanish speaking people from Mexico, especially. Do you, do you think a lot of, what I mean, your passion for music comes from your family because I know your your parents owned a record store in LA. Is that right? Yes, uh, I grew up in, in Los Angeles, um, and my family had a, a a little tiny record shop. Uh, one of the first Spanish language, you know, family owned um, record shops on the border of Venice, which was pretty rough back then. It's a lot you know, no celebrities would dream of living there back in the day. Uh, but uh, my parents had had a tiny little store called Discoteca Batalla on the corner of uh, Lincoln Boulevard and at our pier. And um, it was, uh, you know, one of the community hangs for all people that spoke Spanish for immigrants. And um, I had you know, I was raised there. Um, we were all expected to work. Uh, we were all expected to come there after school, do our homework and help out by cleaning things, whatever my mom had uh, in store. And my mom really ran the business. Um, my dad, uh, 
suffered a lot of, um, you know, things in his life. Like, I think when he was in the army, he was discriminated against horribly and he got into a lot of fights and he then got to drinking. And my mom really ran the family business and pretty much the family and everything. Um, uh, so my, my dad was just always filled with heartbreak and he was the singer and, and uh, also didn't have much of a career, but when he sang, I could tell that was his happy place. Um, and I just started to sing because of my junior high school music teacher. You know, that was really where it came from. She said, the, this music will, and she was you know, very much into classical music and she opened the world for me, you know, playing just wild uh, Aaron Copeland and the great composers and teaching me how beautiful music can be on a whole other level. So I escaped into this world of classical music. I wanted to sing, sing, sing with the, all the groups and I had a really good ear. So I would pick things up very quickly and I quickly rose to the, you know, the highest um, a little group of madrigal singers. And I loved this group uh, and we worked really hard. We'd have to get to school before school started at 7 a.m. and work on our music. So it was, all, it was what we chose to do and we were gonna work hard at it. So we were excellent. Our quality, the quality of our work was absolutely phenomenal. And it was because we wanted to be so good for this wonderful teacher, Linda Anderson, who I'm still in, in touch with on Facebook. Um, so, that was my world, you know, and it, like every teenager, you kind of ignore your family and you do what you're going to do. And I learned classical music. I learned to love jazz. I learned to love all the songwriters. My mom, because she ran the record store, would buy me records like Tom Waits, Joni Mitchell at the distribution companies where she bought all her uh, Spanish language records. She'd buy, she would say, I'm I'm bringing you the weirdest thing I found today here. You know, here's Tom Waits. I hear he's a very bizarre kind of singer. And of course, fell in love with him yeah. and started to, so I listened to everything. It wasn't until after I left home, started my own career, mostly singing jazz in those days, that I realized, wait a second, there's this music that I grew up with that's in my blood, that's part of my family. Um, that I should just try to touch back on a little bit. So I started singing some more in Spanish and realized that I had a real passion for that stuff. And, um, and I arranged traditional Mexican songs or Spanish language songs in my own way. Um, and oftentimes, you know, my dad would love it. My mother, who was very critical, would hate it. But I loved all this controversy that I was creating within my own family. <laughs> Well, and it was dealing with music, which was which was something that you loved. And it isn't it amazing how it's like every everyone I, I want to talk specifically about the arts. It's like everyone in the arts can who's who's pursued it as a career and has gotten to wherever they are. They always can go back to a teacher in school that was oh, like yeah. instrumental or at least um, somehow encouraged their their creativity uh, I, and i think that's i don't know i think that's wonderful for teachers i i have a huge respect for teachers not only because my wife is one but my mother was one as well well and and um not to be dramatic 
but this is absolutely reality um, that I believe that Linda Anderson saved my life. Um, I, you know, my family was always struggling just to make ends meet. And when my brothers were, were younger, they got into a lot of trouble. And I had neighbors who were getting arrested and going to jail. And um, that was very common in where I grew up. And she just made me see another way, you know, that there was, and, I'm, and friends my age in fifth grade, sixth grade were getting pregnant. And I, you know, I saw music as my way it was the answer. It was my way to make a life for myself. And I was just going to have to figure that out. You know, we, I was, we were very poor and, um, it wasn't like I had money to go to college. I didn't have money to do anything, but my parents gave me a work ethic. So I knew I could get a job. I can do whatever I wanted to do. I just had that confidence in myself and I don't know where it came from, but my teacher like linda anderson saved my life because uh, she said music is a path as well it could be a path for you and it's not like she said those words but she made me believe that it was a possibility and i know she did that for a lot of students um she has a lot of students that have gone on to careers in opera jazz i mean john beasley one of the best um you know arrangers artists out there uh was in the same class that i was and, and um I, I think a lot of her students have gone on to careers and, it, and, you know, and it breaks my heart that in this day and age, we don't have um, music and art as um, courses that, that are part of early education. Cause yeah. I always tell my daughter, you know, I told my daughter that um, whether you choose art or music as your career choice doesn't matter what matters is that you have these things in your life because when other things disappoint you music and art will not they will inspire you and in a sense be your friend when you feel like you have no friends um, and that's sort of my big push is always people are big on saying stem programs i always say no it's steam programs because if you take the arts out of education it's i mean there's so much so many benefits to it yeah, and, you know, and sometimes I keep waving that flag, and, and one day somebody will hear me. Yeah, well, everyone has to. Everyone has to stand up and say it's necessary, especially now when um, you know we struggle with um, just as a whole the community after COVID, uh, struggling with depression, uh, struggling with all those um, deep anxieties that everyone suffered during whether it's recognized or not, it's there. Um, I think that art and music will help everyone heal. And if they're in schools, it gives kids an option. You know, this world of, of, um, of the internet and social media, um, it seems like it's providing something, but on the other hand, it's also taking away. It just kind of sucks. It can suck your energy. It can take away your focus. And um, I have a, a little five-year-old that I adopted during COVID because her mom, single mom working. And um, I just adored this little kid. And I just said, just drop her off at my house every day and we will work on art and music. And this was a kid who was really, you know, all over the place, lots of energy, really smart. And um, and I said, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna 
paint we're going to draw and then we're going to listen to music and then we're going to dance and we're going it was all related with music and art and to this day she's obsessed she her her focus is so clear she can sit and she can paint and draw for hours at a time and when she is you know oh i got have to do something i i have all this energy she'll just pull out the paper and get to work it's not like you even have to tell her to do that so um you know i just believe that it's a great and necessary tool for educating uh, our children for, to be able to be self-sufficient also in the future yeah I, I i totally agree um doing a, a sort of a swing back to to your career um because i um how, how, tell me about how you got involved with Leonard Cohen. Oh, gosh, that was interesting because um, I was ready to quit the business at that point. Um, I had had a, 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 what, what, an experience with, um, with a band, a rock band, and it was, it, it was a very loud, uh, someone that everyone knows, but I'm not going to mention any names. Um, and it was very, it was just so loud. And, and I was hired as a backing vocalist. And um, I don't know, great, this is my first big gig. It's a no name. It's going to be so much fun. And it wasn't, it was loud and it was just awful. And I knew that I, I couldn't hear anything and I wasn't doing as good a job as I could have done. And um, the, the artist came to my house and said, you know, sorry, this isn't working out. And she fired me. Um, and I was embarrassed. I was humiliated. I was so in shock. Um, I just, she, but I, what I also had a lot of respect for this person showing up at my house to tell me face to face. And, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of the sign of, of a, a good human being. Yeah. And, um, but I was so upset and I called my mom to talk to her and I'm weeping, uh, like, oh my God, I thought this was my big chance. And, oh my God, I'm so upset. And I was, so my mom wasn't home when <laughs> I made the call and my dad was home and my dad was never the kind of man who was going to encourage me or pat me on the back or say, oh, it's going to be okay. He was always just kind of rough and um and not over, you know too sensitive about anything that we were concerned about um so i was just like oh how do i get out of this phone call quickly and he said what's wrong um and i said oh you know this happened and i of course got emotional i start to cry and i hated crying in front of my dad and he just finally said you know what stop crying uh and he was very calm about it he said you know something's going to come up for you. I just know it. Uh, like something's going to happen better than this. And um, yeah, it's going to be fine. <laughs> just like that. It's going to be fine. So um, I got off the phone and I strangely calmed down. Um, and not one day passed before the phone call came from uh, Leonard Cohen's people 
saying, uh, you know, we've auditioned a lot of people in town, haven't found a person to, for this tour. Your name came up. Um, do you want to come and audition? And I said, absolutely. So, and immediately I just jumped into preparation mode. Tower Records, first stop, get every, uh, you know, well, they weren't CDs, it was cassettes back then. Get every cassette you can find. Listen to Leonard Cohen, because of course I'm just thinking, who's Leonard Cohen? <laughs> and um, so I was fascinated with his music, with his voice, with his lyrics. I mean, I couldn't believe that this was an artist that I really wasn't familiar, familiar with. So, um, I really prepared by listening to this music. I said, the music will tell me everything that I have to know. Of course, the most important thing being, what am I gonna wear for the audition? Because I had to make a good first impression. Right, right. So, um, so it came to me, a light bulb went off. I got up in the morning dressed and feeling really good um, and show up at the studio and uh, Roscoe Beck, who was the musical director, said, do you want to meet Leonard before we start the audition? I said, of course, that sounds like a great idea. And so I see this figure walking down the hall toward me. And of course, you know, Leonard is dressed all in black from head to toe. And I am dressed all in white from <laughs> down to my shoes. Everything was white. And Leonard uh, grabbed my hand and he starts to giggle and he says, darling, this is a match made in heaven. <laughs> and it was, it was very sweet. And then I, you know, the audition went so well. And, um, and I swear that the, the reason that I got the gig was that there's this part in, um, is it first we take Manhattan, I think, where in the middle, there's like this operatic part that goes way up to like a high C. And in the recording, he always he obviously had a choir and opera singers that could hit that note. And in in the audition, I hit that note pretty clearly, thanks to Linda Anderson and my operatic training. Um, uh, and that was it. You know, I knew I had the gig when I walked out of there. Nice. And how how long were you together? Well, uh, gosh. Um, uh, we did that tour, which was for someone who had never been on a tour before. That was monumental. Um, we were on the road for months, and then I um, and then we did the '93. That was '88, '93, and we toured that record. And um, Leonard and I, you know, were friends till the day he he passed away. But um, I think working together, touring, probably ten years. Um, it's it's I think it's rare for for uh, maybe I don't know this but it seemed rare that like backup support people for an artist don't necessarily last 10 years it seems right yeah well you know this wasn't with uh I don't know if you ever saw a Leonard Cohen concert but we we weren't just back backing vocalists we were um a real support and foundation and julie christensen who's the other singer and i had worked together before and we have the, have like the kind of connection that uh is really rare in that we musically could read each other's minds and she also had a, a voice that was very very agile and um can do a little bit of everything so it wasn't that we decided that i'm the alto and she's the soprano or i'm the soprano and she's the alto we would start like 
I'm doing the low part, she's doing the high part, and somewhere in the middle, we would switch parts. And just because that's what our intuition told us. So we were always doing this musical dance and very complicated stuff. Uh, and we prided ourselves in the fact that we didn't always do just the usual um, thing when we did backing vocals, we created a soundscape. Um, and very much in tune with one another and with Leonard. I mean, it was, it was, um, you know, it was a trio. Do you have a favorite Leonard Cohen song? Oh, that's hard. Uh, Cause you know, there, uh, there are songs that I sang with him that, um, that I still just go, oh my God, that was so special. Or that I remember that moment in the second half of the song where we all just sing this phrase, uh, and, and I still, that's one of the most exciting uh, moments that I will remember. And there, so there are pieces of songs that I can just remember feeling like my heart was going to explode. It was so beautiful. Um, and then there are songs that Leonard sang so, um, that moved me so deeply that, uh, yeah, there are so favorites that I have that, that of Leonard's, but when I sing Leonard, I have many favorites. And depending on the concert, I have, yeah, it depends on the time in my life, the, the particular concert. But I have to say, I uh, never, ever get tired or bored or, you know, it's like doing Shakespeare. It'll be different every time. Nice. Well, I have to say that's for me, that's one of the wonderful things about our little studio cabaret is the fact that it's... I mean, seeing you is, is wonderful no matter what the venue, but in the studio cabaret, it's, it's so intimate that, um, I mean, you literally have people sitting at your feet. Um, and it's just, I, I think that the, the authenticity and the passion and, and the vocal styles that you bring are just uh, kind of floor people. It's like, you're just, um, and and the, the the wonderful thing is you always bring surprise guests with you. Yes, yes, I have I have uh, as per usual um, some tricks up my sleeve and some guests that I'm thinking of. One of the things that really inspired me recently uh, was that I went to the um, L.A. Public Library. You know, the, a day of poetry where they had um, I think it was like a hundred poets or something there for the day. And I thought, oh, you know, I'll just come for the first half. I had a few friends uh, reading. I'll just come for the first half and then um, and then go get some lunch and spend the day in L.A. It was phenomenal. Uh, the level of talent in the room was astounding. There wasn't one bad poet. I thought, oh, there'll be there'll be a couple that I can snooze through or just rest, you know, emotionally rest between uh, poets not a single one was less than spectacular. And I, by the end of it, I was just like shaking with all this like, um, you know, inspiration and uh, hope for the world uh, because of this great event. And it was us, it was also streamed, it was only streamed live, but because I have, you know, inside scoop to some of the um, people that could get me in the door, um, I got to be one of uh, the invited guests and uh, it was incredible. So anyway, that's just a hint to who I might be bringing. Wonderful. Well, it, it's funny when you said LA Public Library, um, 
I thought you were going to say the Linda Lindas. And I was like, they, they don't really seem like they would. I don't know if you're familiar with them. I do not. They're, they're um, a, a punk rock band of like nine, 10, 13 year olds who, who went viral with their song. Um, I forget what it was called. But it, they did a live, like a, a video from the LA Public Library of this punk oh. song, and oh. now they're like just a big internet sensation. <laughs> they just they just toured Japan, as a matter. Oh, cool! Um, yeah. But no, I think that'd be great. And and uh, I don't know if you're bringing her, but you, you, it, talent seems to run in your family because I know <sighs> your brother is an actor. Your daughter uh, will sing with you from time to time. Yeah, she, yeah, well, she's on she's on a big, uh, wonderful honeymoon in Europe right now. If you can believe that she's married. Nice. <laughs> she's coming on her two year anniversary. She just you know, she had a Zoom wedding during COVID and it was just so beautiful. Um, and she married the most wonderful young man who we adore. Awesome. Anyway, so, yeah, I'm hoping I can talk her. She'll be back by then. And I'm hoping I can talk her into coming and singing with me. Well, and your equally uh, talented husband, who is. Uh... Uh, Claude, who makes yeah. the most fantastic bread, and um, he makes the most fantastic everything. <laughs> to tell you the truth, that's He's true. So talented. Well, he, he was, he was, wasn't he like a TV host for a yeah, show? Yeah, he was the host of Dinner and a Movie on Turner Broadcasting for seventeen years, and wow. it, it was a great show because you know we all worked on it uh, as a family. We all came up with funny titles because it was combining a movie with like a recipe right so for dumb and dumber i came up with a great recipe title called soup on a stick <laughs> so it was like a vietnamese soup with uh, with skewered uh you know meat on top and um and oh eva had a great one too i don't uh, anyway we had a lot of fun for 17 years uh, watching movies coming up with recipes right. and claude was a wonderful host he's you know he's um a certified chef and and also is great percussionist he used to in my first band he was a regular and um yeah we're married over 31 years now having is a that how you met was in a band no we met in la i was his best friend's friend and um we just sort of met peripherally and then you know soon things got a little more friendly between us shall i say <laughs> understood understood well um this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, thank you. And you know, you say that I've been a big supporter and good to you. You've been amazing to me and I'm so grateful. You know, your community and all the programs and your series are just all so wonderful. So um, thank thanks for including me. Well, thank you. And um, so again, it's October 21st and 22nd at the Nakano Theater. Um, it's uh, very intimate. So, um, Get your tickets before they're all gone and uh it'll be perla and who knows who else but possibly some poetry involved in some fashion um thank you so much perla and uh we look forward to seeing you soon thank you chris